Praise God. Good to see you guys. You know, I know we're new. I'm new here, but uh, coming back here is like coming home. Praise God. Well, thank you, Pastor John and Pastor Mendry, for having us. Uh, it's a joy to be here. I'm sorry my wife couldn't make it. She's back in the hotel packing because I need to rush to the airport uh, immediately after this service. But uh, it's a joy because uh, the last time I was here in South Africa was more than 10 years ago. And I used to come here every year. And I still remember when I was here in the Jacoby in the mid-1990s and, uh, and how a day before the March for Jesus, I was with Pastor Ed Raver talking about some great plans that we have. And the day after, we realized God has a greater plan for him. And, and he is in the glory and the presence of God. And, and what a joy it is. And what a joy it is to just even those short moments with you, John, just that word from God. It's my privilege to be able to that impart that little word. That, and I trust that this is only the beginning. There is more to come. <laughs> Praise God! I come from Singapore. I've been married for 35 years. I have four children and one grandson. My grandson is seven years old, and uh, the church is growing. The church in Singapore is growing. Singapore is a very small place, okay? <laughs> Praise God. Singapore has four million people, but is confined within an island about 25 miles east to west and about 15 miles north to south. There are at least five to six mega churches. Some of them are beyond the 30,000 mark. And in a small island like that, it's a grace of God because God has started a work of revival, bringing the churches together in prayer, a movement that is called Love Singapore. And I started it in the 1990s. And for the last 17 years, 400 pastors come every year for three days to pray for one another and to pray for the salvation of the nation. It's a miracle. I pray that today your eyes will be stretched to see way beyond this auditorium. This is a new beginning. Our hearts, our desire is that South Africa will be saved and the continent of Africa will come to know Jesus Christ. Today's message is entitled, The Voice of Truth. It is God's truth that will set us free. This voice of truth declares that the devil is afraid of us. This voice of truth uncovers Satan's greatest fear. I want to read for you from Exodus chapter 1 verse 8 to 10. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And in the event of war, they would also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and depart from the land. About 3,000 years ago, there was a particular pharaoh that lived in the land. There were many pharaohs. Moses had his. Joseph had his. They were kings. They were rulers. They were some of the most powerful men the world has ever known in the ancient world. They were dictators. Their armies were absolutely unmatched, daunting in appearance, baffling in their numbers as sands on the seashores as they have so many camels and, and the army that they have. They had iron chariots. They had the most well-fed horses, the mightiest of infantry. Their rule was unrivaled. Their power was unmatched. They were absolute authority. Insubordination was met with death. There was no judiciary, no court to question. There was no political parties, no parliament to debate or to question Pharaoh's decision. They considered the Pharaoh divine. His word was law. 
He was a man of that hour. Pharaoh in scripture is a type of the devil. And like the devil, he was full of himself. And like anybody who is full of himself would always be full of fears. And the result was, with all his power, all his clout, he lived in fear. A nagging fear in his heart. All the money in the world could not buy him sleep from this fear because there was something he was absolutely afraid of. Do you know what the Pharaoh was afraid of? Do you know what the devil is afraid of? The devil is afraid of the people of God. There's something about the Pharaoh of today, the devil himself, that fears concerning the people of God. And one day Pharaoh kind of slipped in his word and revealed that fear. And we read about it in the passage we have read earlier. In Exodus 1 and in the New Testament, New Living Translation, it puts it this way. Look, the people of Israel are now, out, are now outnumber us. And they're stronger than us. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. The Amplified Bible says, they outnumber us both in people and in strength. The message, Bible says, we've got to do something. Let's devise a plan to contain them. Lest if there's a war, they should join our enemies or just walk off and leave us. This is a fear of the devil. The devil fears the people of God because the devil knows that we outnumber them. The son of Israel the sons of God is mightier than the power of hell and the devil and his demons. There are six major religions in the world. Christianity is still number one and the devil knows it. He knows that he is outnumbered. He knows that we are mightier than him. However, there's a catch. The devil also knows that the people of God refuse to accept and believe that we are mightier than he is. That somehow across the world there are congregations and the people of God so consumed with their own problems, consumed with all the struggles of life, that they refuse to look up and believe what God says about them. That you and I together are more powerful than the forces of hell. That we can take the kingdom of God on earth. Come on, give God a big round of applause. And the people of Israel look at themselves. They saw that they had no horses. They have no chariots. No, they're just shepherds. No, they're just farmers, brick masons. The most powerful tool they had was their staff to shepherd their sheep or their spectula to spread cement on the bricks. And when you look at the children of Israel, they look absolutely pathetic, powerless. Pharaoh, on the other hand, controlled the education, the money. Pharaoh had political power, the governmental system. His evil rule and worldly system had beaten the people of God down. And now, the people are officially oppressed, officially in recession. People are living and working and not able to provide for themselves. And we talk about possessing the nation, transformation of the marketplace. Yet Pharaoh or the devil is in control of the economics, of the education. He is right now in absolute control. So what is Pharaoh afraid of? He is afraid, really, of the people of God finally hearing the voice of truth that will set them free. The devil is afraid that finally we will believe in what God says about us and the hidden power of God that is resident within us by the power of the Holy Spirit will rise up, not just as individual, but as a people of God, as an army of God. 
Pharaoh knows that he will be doomed if this truth is revealed to the people of God. What is this truth? The truth is that if there's a war, they would leave us. You see, Pharaoh is a type of the devil, and Egypt is a type of the worldly system. And Pharaoh understands spiritual warfare better than some of us. He knows that if the people of God understand there's a war, and the people of God will hook up with the enemies of the devil, who is God and all his angels, they will outnumber the devil and the demons. And Pharaoh knows that once the people of God rise up in battle and draw on the power of God, the devil has no chance. They will break free from the grip of the power of the evil one and walk out of the deception, of the control, walk out of Egypt and walk out of the grip of the devil. The people of God, when they know the truth of God, the voice of God's truth will break out and the devil has no power. So the devil wants to contain us by lying to us. He does not want us to know that there's a war between the devil and the Lord and his angels. He doesn't want us to know that we must rise up and fight this war. He wants us to be comfortable. He wants us just to stay within the confines of the church, enjoying those lovely presence of God. It's just like all the thieves and all the criminals just love the policemen to stay in the police station. Being trained how to catch thieves, but as long as you stay there, they're saved. And the people of God are confined within four walls, learning and learning and learning but never hearing the voice of truth that we are at war. We are not just an army. We are an army at war daily against the devil. And when we know that, we're going to break up. Is there something wrong here with the picture? Outwardly, Pharaoh is in charge. No one can contest him, yet he knows that the people of God are mightier and the weapons are greater. And he's afraid that a war will break up and the people of God will wake up and join God and His angels. Now this may not make a lot of sense to some of us, but that makes a lot of sense to Pharaoh. So his power over his people was based on a lie. The people of God allowed what they saw and what happened to them to be greater than who they were in God. He does not want us, the devil does not want us to know that between the promise and the provision is a place called wilderness. A tract of barren land incapable of sustaining human life where you need to be totally dependent upon God and a place totally ripe for miracles. God, the devil doesn't want us to know that even when we walk through the wilderness that that's the place for the miracles of God to take place because God is driving us to a place where there is no more source of dependence put upon God and God alone and God is going to rise and He is going to defeat the enemy and we are going to see the miracles and the provision of God. And somehow... When you don't have enough resources, when you've tried and tried and failed and failed and frustrated too long, and when people have disappointed you, and you're in the wilderness, and yet in the wilderness, God promises to provide for you and give you victory. Because when you get out of the wilderness, you will never forget that it's not about you. It's about the Lord who stands with you. And that's the voice of truth. You see, the scripture tells us what happened to the sons of Israel in the past is for our learning. And the devil puts us under this deception. He wants to contain us. The devil wants to contain you. The devil wants to contain this church. He says, never mind, have fun on Sunday, but that's it. The devil wants us to forget the things that we see are temporary. And the things that are not seen are eternal. We need to tell believers around us that what we see is not what we get. Because eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God can do for those who love Him. And today God sent me here to tell you that. That this is only the beginning.
There must be a fire that burns in our heart, that burns away the deception in which the devil used to contain us. And we must rise up and say we are not safe to this worldly system. And the state we are in, even for them, for 400 years, was temporary. Every crisis, every dilemma, every setback is temporary. Whether 400 years of slavery in Egypt, or 70 years of exile in Babylon, or three days in a borrowed tomb, it is temporary. But the devil wants to contain you and I by covering up the truth. He's afraid that we will finally believe the revelation of God that we are mightier than Him because God, in the person of Jesus Christ, has defeated the devil. He doesn't want you to hear the voice of truth that says that you and I have the authority to tread on serpents, on scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. He doesn't want us to know the voice of truth, that the truth can set us free. The devil is afraid that we will hear the voice of truth and believe that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. The devil is afraid that you will know the voice of truth, that you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He doesn't want us to listen to the voice of truth that says all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. He doesn't want us to believe that you and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and that no weapons formed against us shall prosper and that God will always lead us in triumph through Jesus Christ. He doesn't want us to realize the truth that there is victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The devil is afraid that you know that God, His arch enemy, is on your side and my side. You see, once the church realizes this, the enemy is in trouble. Because we will realize that the weapon we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to stay down spiritual and demolish spiritual strongholds. The devil wants to contain us within all the past fears of our life, those times where you tried to do something for God and somebody betrayed you, somebody misunderstood you, you're disappointed with the result. He wants to contain you within your guilt where you look back and they say, will God use a man like me who have failed morally, economically, and in so many ways? He wants to contain us, to remind us of our failures. He wants to intimidate us that God is no longer with us because somewhere, somehow you lost it. And that's a lie of the devil because he's afraid that the voice of truth will speak power into our lives and we will rise up and denounce the devil and say to him, let my people go. The Lord has forgiven me. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus I've been set free. I'm healed by His stripes. When we rise to engage the enemy, God comes through every time because the battle is the Lord and He will deliver the enemies into our hands. The devil is afraid that our eyes will be open. Like the servant of Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 6 where they were surrounded by the army of Syria. And we read in 2 Kings 6, 16 to 17. So he answered, Do not fear for those who are with us, are more than those who are with them. And then Elijah prayed and said, O oh Lord, I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and saw, Behold, the mountains were full of horses, chariots of fire, all around Elijah. The devil uses every setback in your life to contain you. The, Lord, the devil uses every success in your life to contain you. That's enough. By God's grace this year, I'm 58 years old young. I've been in the ministry for 35 years. 
And you know what's the problem of people who have been in the ministry for 35 years, especially successful ministry? Yes, that's enough. I mean, if you were to go to heaven today, no one could say you're a failure. That's good enough. You head up a unity movement in Singapore, something unprecedented in the history of the church in Singapore. You've done things that are just incredibly new and, and, and amazes people. You are good. That's good enough. And I say to the devil, that's not good enough. My church will forever be too small as long as there's one person in Singapore who doesn't know Jesus Christ. I spoke to the pastor of the biggest church in Singapore. He's also a Kong. He's Pastor Kong He. And I said, you know what's the problem with your church? This church is 30 over 1,000. Unprecedented. I said, your church is too small. You see, the devil doesn't want us to know that all the difficulties and impossible times that happen to us is to set us up to cry out to a deliverer and allow the power of God to show through. So whatever you are going through, it is the greatest opportunity in your life to experience the power of God. You see, when things get messed up, it is a divine setup for you to know that God is in control. A bad marriage is a setup. Lost children are a setup. Whatever you lack in your life is a setup for us to discover that the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. A sickness is a divine setup to experience the healing of God. And Pharaoh was afraid that the people of God would realize that. Because when we realize that, he is completely outnumbered. The devil is afraid that people of God know how great and how powerful we are when we rise up in battle. And today, God needs to open the eyes of each of our heart to His truth. Today, some of us need to rise up and say, I believe that greater is, is, is He who is in me than He who is that is in the world. Today, God wants you to rise up and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And as the voice of truth rings in your heart, you rise up and say, I reject cancer. I reject my sicknesses. I'm healed by the blood of Jesus. He trembles when you say, I will not allow my disappointment with the past prevent me from serving God with a whole heart and a whole mind. I will not let all the frustrations of the ministry stop me from dreaming a bigger dream for God. I will not allow the setbacks in our path to contain me and not allow me to believe that God can do all things because He's with me. The devil will freak out when you decide that you will not look back at all your successes or failures to cause you to wallow in your past and discouragement. The devil trembles when you leave the bondage of inferiority. Where the devil lies to you and says, you cannot. And you say, devil, you lie. I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He will flee when you resist him and declare that you are the son of God and the servant of the living God. In short, the devil fears that after this message, some of us are going to go back to our home, to our workplace, and charge hell with a water pistol. And tear down the gates of hell that exist in our community, like immorality and fear and discrimination. Because we stop believing the devil and start believing God. Today, God wants you and I to put the devil on notice. That he has no place in our lives. Let's issue him an eviction order from our lives, from our cell group, from our family, from our ministry, from our church, and say, You can take me anywhere to accomplish anything for you. You know, we are living in an exciting time. I'm going to wrap up with something that has been happening in my life. I've gone around the world teaching cell church. In fact, 
I sent my staff, who was then my staff, Dr. Ralph Neighbor, to teach South Africa Cell Church. And we went on. At a height, I have seven schools around the world teaching cells. In fact, I have one here in Kempton Park with Pastor Derek Stone for a while. That's where Pastor John came to one of our conferences. But the Lord tells me that he's doing a new work. And you see, those who oppose the new work of God are normally the leaders of the old work because you don't want to let go. And I say, God, I want to be where you are. And God started the G12 movement. The G12 movement that differs from what we have is basically sales, but believe that every man can find 12 disciples. Everyone can find 12 disciples. Pour your life into their life. And out of the 12, they can disciple 144. Out of 144, they can disciple 1,728. Out of the 1,728, they can disciple 20,736. And out of the 20,736, they can disciple 248,832 people. But I said, that's from God. You see, every one of us wants a disciple, but somebody needs to put the system together. And I tell you, there's no better way to follow Jesus' example. He invested his life in the 12th man. An exciting thing about a G12 conference, a G12 vision, is that he releases the woman into the ministry. So when I went into G12, my wife, who is a medical doctor, who loves to work behind the scenes, she, she's totally different from me. I mean, I, I love it here. Oh, get, get going, man! She said, no. I'll just fix the system for you and work the office. But she's not a front person. She gave up her medical practice. And now she's the co-senior pastor of my church. At the age of 50... And I could tell you, she, 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 she would stand up and say, you know, I'm not used to talking to a crowd like that. <laughs> and I make her preach a seminar, sermonette every Sunday, 10 minutes before I preach. And she's doing well. She came to our conference and she's doing well. Why? Because she said, I want to believe God for more. And when she stood up, the women in the church stood up. And arise and believe God for more. I was in the Love Singapore movement. I started it for seven years. There was supposed to be a great climax of that. It didn't turn out exactly the way we planned to. So I was discouraged. It was the year 201. I thought, God is going to show up. The whole nation is going to be saved. But it didn't quite work out that way. But Love Singapore persisted because of the friendship and relationship. And we pray. And I look back now, God has answered our prayer. Because in the 1990s, we repented to one another. The charismatic, the non-charismatic, the Chinese-speaking church and the English-speaking church. And you have your own equivalent here. And, uh, and, and, we, and then we asked God to heal the hurts of the nation, the Japanese occupation. We had a Japanese pastor that repented and we released forgiveness. And uh, we had one of the oldest sisters in the, in the church uh, who is now with the Lord, who was tortured by the Japanese, releasing forgiveness. I mean, tell you, I mean, that's not easy when, when, when you have been messed up. And, uh, and then we had the British come over and, and ask for forgiveness for colonizing us and just, you know, not, you know, just doing what's best for the nation. And, and we did that. And sometimes you wonder, you know, and at the end of 201, I was kind of discouraged because the great revival didn't show up. But I look back, God answered all our prayers. The reason why this today, Singapore has so many mega churches per square foot is because God answered our prayer. It's happening! God is at work! I was discouraged. But then I, you know, retreated. I felt I didn't have a mandate to lead. I stepped back for seven years. And I didn't work out this seven-year business. It's now on looking back. It was exactly seven years and then seven years of backing off. And I, I want to share something that might freak you out, but just hang on to the seatbelt. Don't, don't judge me for now. Okay, just give me some space. And, uh, and, and, you know, sometimes I say things that will jolt you. And you're going to react. It's good. At least I get some reaction. Sometimes we come to churches to hear things to reinforce our prejudices. 
Alright, I'm going to share this. And one day I was praying. I was praying for the nation. And when I prayed for television, for cinemas, I started weeping. I wept the whole day. It was kind of weird because you don't weep for television. I mean, you weep for dying orphans and, you know, uh, 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 earthquake victims. I mean, why would you weep? And I was weeping. I couldn't understand. And the whole day it was a retreat. And, and I couldn't even have a staff meeting. I, someone would mention show business. I go, Aah! And I, it was ridiculous. I mean, the Holy Spirit was on me, but I have no idea. And, and, it, and it was just the work of God. And, and I was crying without much emotions, too. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm crying. I, but I don't understand why I was crying. The emotion was, what am I doing? Towards the end, the Lord said to me, I said, Lord, what, what is that about? He said, I want you to know that the real pulpit of this world is not found in the churches. I don't care how big your church is. My church is 10,000, but there are millions out there who will never come into this church. The real pulpit of this world are found on stages, in theaters, in cinemas, in television. That's where the pulpit of this world. And God said to me, you get back into the pulpit of this world. Now listen to me. I don't know what to do. God says, you start an entertainment business with the church. Entertainment business. I was 50 years old. I said, what do I do? He said, what do you have in your hand? What can you do in the area of entertainment? Now, just for your information, I've always been a semi-professional magician. All these years. Now, please understand, it is not by sorcery, it is not by calling, it's just trickery, illusions, all right? Uh, I create, you know, just, it's just like, unfortunately, people throw this out of the... It works because the Bible uses the word magic as sorcery. But the word has, been, has a general, bigger sphere of meaning. For example, we talk about movie magic, theater magic, because you create something that's wonder. And I have always been doing that. When I was in a seminary in, in, in Dallas, uh, I was invited to many American churches as a Chinese, which is rare, because I can entertain them for one hour and blow their mind with things they couldn't explain. And I say to these young people, you think you are very smart? I just outsmarted you for the last hour. Now listen to me. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I will say to them, the magician is probably the most honest man in the world because he tells you he's bluffing you and proceeds to do so. There are many people... There are many people... That's right. And I, I tell everybody who watches my show, it's amazing. Okay? He's, I said, you know, everybody can do everything that I do with 30 years of practice, of course. But, uh, but you know, but, but it's just done by physical means. I, I just, you know, do sleight of hand. I, I just, you know, create a magical experience for you. And I tell you when I did that, and, and God says, you get back. And for the last eight years, I've traveled around the world. I've become a celebrity magician in Singapore. I get invited to, to television, not as Pastor Lawrence Kong, but as celebrity magician Lawrence and his daughter Priscilla. And they ask me questions about how do you keep your family together? How do you deal with problems in your home? How do you deal with stress of traveling? And I get to speak to people that the pastors won't have a chance to speak. You know, even if you have a Christian television, your audienceship is primarily Christian. But I speak to a bigger context. As a result of that, 3,000 people in my church left me because they thought that pastor has gone berserk. I mean, he's probably demonized. He's involved in this dark art. And I couldn't explain to them. But I know that God wanted me to do so. Why? Because I ain't going to allow the devil to contain what the people of God to do. You know, we're so afraid of just getting trapped by the devil, that we are trapped by that fear of being trapped by the devil. And as a result of that, oh, rock music, don't touch that, it's from the devil. And you know what? We give the devil the best music. The devil has the best music, and we don't. The devil has the best movie, teaching values that are just totally anti-God, but we need to take back that entertainment world. And remember, I was 50 years old when I started. It's a has-been in the industry. But I rise up. I, I try to look better, go for facial, get my hair done, look real cool. All right, do I look cool? I look pretty cool, right? I mean, 
for, 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 for 58 years, I, I look pretty cool, right? I'm not trying to be a 20-year-old, but at least I'm lo- worth looking at. It is because I refuse to let the devil tell me where I can go and what I can do. I don't even want to listen to the people of God who has been under deception that the music, the theater, and the entertainment world belongs to the devil. I say it belongs to God. And today I just want to challenge you to have this beginning. I, I want to, uh, allow me to do so. I'm going to finish on time, but uh, I'm, I'm going to show you a video. Uh, today, you know, Mandry and, and John, there's so much God wants to do in your life. I saw Mandry coming up and I, I just sense that you're, you're also one not really comfortable standing in front of, of, of a thousand people. I, I could feel that. And, you know, I immediately thought of my wife. And my wife is just like that. But God is using her in a powerful way. Never lock God in. God can use you to touch a woman. There's a whole generation of women that will rise up because you rise up and believe in God. Never draw a line. And Jason, there's a reason why God asked me, give a prophecy about your birth. I mean, you know, I mean, you already conceived. You're going you're gonna to be there, you know. But yet God gave a word because you are destined for the nations. And John, this is only the beginning. God has so much more. I want you to watch this with an open mind. If there are some things you're not comfortable about, I can understand. And don't feel that you have to agree with me. But all of us can agree that we will not let the devil draw the line and restrict us and contain us. We are going to rise up and be all that God wants us to be as a church and as a people of God. You can rise up and touch me. I have lay people that pastors 400 people. Not paid staff. There are four to 500 people under them. Doing everything, from funeral to everything, and winning the people for Christ. Every single one of you can, if you say, I reject the lie of the devil. Can you play this, and, and then after that, I just pray for this church, and ask the Lord to bless it. It's just about a 13-minute thing. Let me just go there. Singapore, gateway to Asia and home to 5 million people, has the fastest growing economy in the world, a fact reflected in the ever-changing skyline. Give me the multitudes is the heart cry of a Singaporean pastor who has courageously taken the presence of God right into the heart of the marketplace. He has impacted the world of arts and entertainment and daily God is answering his prayer to reach the multitudes. Faith Community Baptist Church gathers in the heart of Singapore and has a membership of nearly 10,000. Compelled by his desire to see Singapore changed by the gospel, senior pastor Lawrence Kong invited his congregation to join him on his mission of nation transformation. And we want to declare to Singapore that there's a group of Singaporeans called by the Lord, filled with his love, to love our land. Knowing that it is not possible for one individual or denomination to transform a nation and that it requires unity and intentionality of purpose, Lawrence initiated the Love Singapore movement. Love Singapore is a real miracle of God. It started in the 1990s when uh, I read Ed Sovoso's book that none should perish and start believing God for the salvation of the nation. And I realized that the key is prayer and not just prayer by a church but united prayer by the body of Christ. Father, we declare that the barriers between the marketplace minister and the pulpit minister is forever broken. That there will be one heart and one mind. That spiritual declaration of pulling down the walls between sacred and secular has resulted in Lawrence Kong obeying God's call to take his place behind the pulpit of contemporary society. 
it is an area that uh, we would never dare venture into. We don't feel equipped, we don't feel ready, we are not uh, able to handle the challenges that are there. Uh, the demand for excellence uh, in, in, in the industry is, uh, uh, it can be very frightening. Uh, but Lawrence Kong has done that. I mean, he has entered into a domain that is totally dark and he has brought the light of the Lord into it. The vision that uh, God has planted in Lawrence Kong's heart for transformation of media entertainment is something that is going to impact this nation and where, as, as a lot of us pastors, we're, we're oblivious to it and wonder what's Lawrence doing. Uh, now, through the years, he's just kept pushing on. It's helped all of us to wake up and we've had a new paradigm shift and actually we're seeing things differently than we would have seen before had he not ever entered into this area. And he has been a trailblazer. He has opened doors that many of us would have never dared to even push. My name is Lawrence. Together with my beautiful daughter Priscilla, we will fill your eyes with mystery and your heart with wonder as we present to you the magic of love. Experience magic. Experience Lawrence and Priscilla. Fully understanding the power of God's redemptive message of love, Lawrence Kong asked God for a way to reach the multitudes. And within a few years, together with his daughter Priscilla Kong, they were capturing the hearts of audiences around the world with their powerful story of love and forgiveness. It's really a prodigal son story uh, put in a different light. Uh, and I was hoping to make it very special, add to the art form, more than just magic, but drama. Um, at the end of the show, after watching, I felt that um, God has just used Pastor Kong and Priscilla um, to perform the magic of love just for me and my family. All Together, this father and daughter combination have been used by God to impact not just the lives of individuals, but also the entire domain of arts and entertainment in Asia. My daughter. What really struck me was, we do not have the means to speak to the millions. The devil has taken hold of the media and all the channels of communication. And it's time for Christians to understand that and begin to take steps to repossess what actually belongs to the Lord in the first place. Firmly believing that God has redeemed all of society, Lawrence began to take some courageous steps of faith and was willing to be obedient to God no matter the cost. God's favor was upon me as I took that step of faith entering into the arena of the media and arts and entertainment. We were able to open Magic Box in this prestigious theater, the Esplanade, and we achieved 94% of the house by filling it with 16,000 people for 10 shows. And to watch a Singaporean pastor doing this, I'm so proud of Pastor Lawrence. I think that he's done a fantastic job. Just, just to use that means of communicating the gospel, it was fantastic. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if seeing is believing, then feast your eyes on this last illusion of the evening. Success was opening more doors for us. We were invited to the Chingye Parade. The Chingye Parade is the largest street parade in all of Asia, celebrating the Chinese Lunar New Year. We performed in this parade before 150,000 live audience and before some of the highest level leadership in Singapore. That act ended with me standing on the roof of City Hall to take off and land on the street below. The city hall represented the seat of power in Singapore. And my wife said to me, as you do that, speak the word of blessing. So I just want him to bless our city, bless Singapore to be successful, to be prosperous, and also to claim the, the whole nation for God, to claim it so that there will be kingdom values, the people's heart will be open and that as our church members or any other Christians in Singapore share the gospel and share kingdom living with them, they will be open. Through the years, God blessed us with four lovely children, two dashing young men and two beautiful young ladies. 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my two lovely daughters, Priscilla and Michelle. Despite the accolades and cheers of the crowds, the Kong family acknowledge their desire to use every performance as an act of worship. I see everything we do as worship to God. You know, be it whether I'm performing on stage or be it whether I'm working here in Gateway Entertainment, I believe that this is what God has called me to do and of course I do it to the best of my abilities. Every time Lawrence Kong performs to capacity crowds, he fulfills his vision to reach the multitudes, disciple the nations and take the kingdom right into the very heart of the marketplace. It was a gospel rally with a difference. Each night, 3,000 Taiwanese flock to watch and hear the gospel presented in a fresh and entertaining way. And the Lord just convicted me that I am actually stepping into the pulpit of the world and these members of the audience are sheep without a shepherd. And I ask God for the same anointing that I ask God for every week when I preach on my pulpit. Because this is a pulpit. Just that it's in a different context. Faith Community Baptist Church is a community of believers who recognize their pastor's anointing for using the media to extend the kingdom of God right into the heart of the entertainment world. They were willing to change their paradigms and soon established a new expression of community outreach and formed the Gateway Entertainment Company. Gateway is a commercial entity to represent the church, to break into the arts and entertainment world. In show business, it's about being famous because when you're famous and successful, then you have an influence. In fact, it took me a long time because as a pastor, we are taught to be servants of all people, we are to be humble, we are to you know, just do things behind the scene, and that's true too. But uh, in show business, you've got to say, I'm good and I'm going to show you how good I am and you're going, to, you're going to like me for that. Now, that kind of confidence either could be just pure arrogance or it could be that uh, you want to do a good job in what you're doing so that people are attracted to you and you use that to direct them to the Lord. So the first thing I had to learn in this business is not to be afraid to one faith and one to be a celebrity because that's part of the markers of this particular industry. We have upped our antenna for professionalism. Now I'm pleased to announce they can accept us on both fronts. And I, from there I can see that God has blessed us incrementally, surely, as we break into the arts and entertainment world. I think, you know, for what Pastor Kong is doing, you know, the results show that it's impacting lives. I'm very excited because I saw him coming out with an idea uh, that is also transforming people, which is he's a social entrepreneur and a social innovator as well, because he came up with the project SMILE. SMILE stands for Sharing Magic in Love Everywhere, is an acronym. This program has been very unique in the sense that he was the master trainer that trained our volunteers and our uh, participants in simple magic tricks. What we do is actually we go to various schools, primary schools, secondary schools, all, all over Singapore, and we teach the students uh, simple magic. And at the end of the class, we actually bring them out uh, to a community place, like a hospital, an elderly home, uh, just to perform magic and to bring a smile to the community. We found this program to be highly effective as a way of reaching out to young people as well as youth in Singapore as well as internationally and in particular uh, this program has been very effective in China. I have pastored a church for 30 years. I know how to do it at least decently. I don't know how to be a good entertainer to start with. I'm, I'm new in the game. I mean, I started when I was 50 years old, all right, and, and, and it uh, has been in this, in this entertainment field. But I just obey God, and obedience is the key. I just do it because I obey. And at the end of it, success or not, I can answer to God, God, I obey you. And that's all that God asks for. And if every believer were to do that, then that's what it takes to transform the world. You can be a minister in the marketplace where you are. You don't have to be in the pulpit ministry to serve God and bring glory to God. Whatever you are in, whichever market you are in, 
you have to do it to the best of your ability, honestly, before God. Because your excellence will draw everybody to God. Singapore, my city, the nation that I love, I believe with all my heart that if the body of Christ were to work together to glorify God in the marketplace, this nation will be transformed. I sense that my calling as a pastor and as a performer is to bring the pulpit minister and the marketplace minister together and we are going to make a difference in this nation. Singapore is destined to be the Antioch of Asia. I believe that God is going to use our nation to bless our neighbors and all of Asia and indeed the whole world. Right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's been a joy to be here. I share this not to tell you you got to learn magic tricks and be a performer. I share this with you just as an example of God's grace in my life. I share this with you because you are going to reject the lies of the devil and you're going to say wherever you are, if you are in education, you are in business, you are in any field of work, you are in government, you can bring the kingdom of God there. The devil wants to contain us, to say, we cannot do it. But he's lying, because we can. And so I trust that the Spirit of God will stir up a hunger in you, that you will give the eviction order to the devil that tries to restrict you and say, I am going to rise up as a soldier of Christ, and make an impact. I want to come back, hopefully, when the next time I come, if God allows, I spend a lot of time in Asia. Let's see this church ten times the size it is. <laughs>